Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 43, Sports in Guinea. My name is Bobby, and joining me as always is David. So I got to start this one off with a little bit of a rant, David. I can deal with a lack of information on sports in a given country. I can deal with outdated info too, but just straight up misinformation, I cannot stand. There was a website, David, that had sports in Guinea. I 70% of the information was wrong. They made up people who won Olympic medals. These people don't exist. Ah, that's first hilarious, first of all, but also very unfortunate for you. Yeah, because basically you go through that, you're you're reading up on it, and then you have to like, then you have to fact check everything. You know, you have to <laughs> nothing right? is safe, nothing is sacred. <laughs> like I got one thing right, like oh, there's been two NBA players from Guinea. That is true from another source, and I that there are two, but not the two people they listed because <laughs> one of them is not real. Uh, I just don't know how or why, and it especially looked like it was written by AI which also annoyed me because whoever posted it probably didn't fact check it either. But you got that. Like, hey, you click the website. It did its job. <laughs> I know. I, I, one day we'll have our own website. We'll put up real info because it's like impossible to find elsewhere. True. To be to, uh, to be continued. Yeah, we'll let you know, audience. If that's something you're interested in, you know, let us know. But anyway, sports, Guinea. Let's talk about that. So... In these country profile episodes, we like to start off with background info because probably some of you have never heard of Guinea or at least know anything about it other than the name. So it is in West Africa along the Atlantic coast. And aside from the Atlantic Ocean, it borders six different countries. So Guinea-Bissau is to the northwest. And then if we continue clockwise, we've got Senegal, Mali, the Ivory Coast, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. And we actually covered Mali way back in our first ever episode. So, David, just to point out to you, Mali and Guinea have almost identical flags. Yeah, it's like a like a reverse or like a flipped image almost and then like different tones. But yeah, basically the same. It's the same colors, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the Pan-African. Guinea goes tricolor red, yellow, green. Mali goes green, yellow, red. I mean, a lot of the flags in that area have similar vibes. It's just theirs are honestly so similar yeah i can imagine like looking in like a database of let's just say you know footballers and being like okay which one are you <laughs> right right Where yeah like you if you from? didn't know you'd think oh it's mm, did this country just change the order of their colors <laughs> yeah um also just to throw this out there there are multiple countries in the world with guinea in the name like the country we're covering today is just straight guinea but Guinea-Bissau is one of their neighbors. There's another country in Africa called Equatorial Guinea. And then, of course, near Australia is Papua New Guinea. Uh, Guinea, the word, likely of Berber origin, but that's disputed. And it just refers to land where black people live. So like, oh, it's just the people below the Sahara Desert. That's Guinea. The whole area is Guinea. And it's just to refer to the people that live there. Also, uh, David, I got a map of Guinea to show you. Just want to point out, the capital city is Conakry. And you look at it, oh, it's just on the coast. That's pretty normal. It's the Atlantic coast. That makes sense. But then you keep zooming in on it, and you realize that Conakry, it's on a peninsula that juts like eight miles out 
into the Atlantic Ocean. So a mini version of Florida, you could say. But Guinea has monsoon season. So Conakry is one of the rainiest capital cities in the world. Like in the summer, 40 plus inches of rain a month and then nothing in the winter. That's a crazy like a difference. Like, you know, like that's a ton of rain. And then just to go into essentially a dry season in the wintertime, it's crazy. And the fact that just the monsoon season, like all that rain in the summer automatically pushes it into one of the rainiest cities in Africa. But speaking of water, Guinea has the sources of the Niger River, the Gambia River, and the Senegal River. Um, those are three major rivers in West Africa, all their sources in the country of Guinea. And in terms of landscape, so the country is crescent-shaped. You can divide it into four pretty distinct regions. So we've got the Maritime Guinea on the West Coast, then Middle Guinea, that's like the lowlands. You have the highlands after that, so more mountainous. And then you finally get to this forested jungle region. But all in all, Guinea is a bit north of the equator, so tropical climate, but no desert this time. It is just a lot of green. So uh, maybe a bit more hospitable than what we, uh, who was it last time? We did Oman, and I was just a, yeah, desert's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. But David, you want to guess the population? Oh, it's that time again. It's, yeah, it's uh... that time. I'll, I'll give you a little, <laughs> little context to help you out. So uh, Guinea is roughly the same size as the United Kingdom. So 245,000 square kilometers, if you must know. But it doesn't have a huge amount of people. So I'll put you at 10 million. Are we going over or under that? Uh, I guess I'll go. Ooh. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. Final answer. So. Guinea is over 10 million. It's 13.5. Dang it. I, <laughs> I, I was feeling so confident. These over-unders are so hard. Right. So the thing is, Guinea, like a lot of countries in Africa, it is growing somewhat quickly. Uh, so that number is only going to get bigger. But still, 13.5, it's not huge. It's not small. I actually don't know what the average is for a country in the world because variations in size. Uh, so based on 196 countries, the average population was like just under 40 million. And then you have to take into account that there's like the big outliers, like, you know, like right. China and India. Do you have the median? Uh, 8.6 million. Huh. Okay. So Guinea is above the median then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And who was the 8.6? Uh, Tongo or Togo. Sorry. Oh, Togo. Okay. So also West Africa. Yeah. Well, more you know. We're learning about every country on this podcast. It's true. Eventually, all hey. countries will be covered. Yeah. It'll take a long time. It'll take like eight years, I think. <laughs> all right. We'll get there when we get there. Back to Guinea. There are 20 plus ethnic groups in Guinea. The three largest, though, are the Fula. They mainly live in the central part of the country. The Mandinka or Malinke. They live in the highlands near Mali. And then the Susu, they predominantly live along the coast. French is the most widely spoken language, and you know, every ethnic group is going to have their own language spoken too. David, history time. You ready for this one? Yeah, I assume it's going to get uh, a little complicated. Well, yeah, I'll try to summarize as best as I can, but there's some complex stuff that we might have to leave out 
encourage anyone listening to read about it yourself. But here we go. People have lived in the area of present-day Guinea for millennia. You know, you got different empires throughout the, the years. There's like the Ghana Empire, the Mali Empire, all had uh, some of the territory of present-day Guinea. And keep in mind, Guinea is on the coast, so they were affected by the slave trade. But we're going to start 1890s. Guinea becomes part of French West Africa and is just known as French Guinea. Now, we skip ahead to 1958. France, they're undergoing some changes in their government. We'll keep it at that because that's a whole nother thing. But what happens is France goes to their African colonies and just says, hey, you guys want to be autonomous members of the French community? And, you know, that's a logical next step towards independence. So they all say yes, except for Guinea. So France, they just rush out of Guinea as fast as they can. They take everything they can that they think is French and quite literally pulling the plug on some things in Guinea. Uh, but hey, Guinea's independent. They're the first one out of that group of uh, French West Africa to be independent, though the other countries would become fully independent like two years later. Uh, the thing is, Guinea's been plagued by political unrest. Uh, multiple coups have taken place. There's human rights abuses sprinkled throughout their time as an independent nation. Uh, their first president... Ahmed Sekou Toure, if you were to Google top 10 worst leaders in African history, he's on those lists. I think uh, currently since 2021, uh, Guinea's been under rule by someone who took control in a coup. I don't really know how well he's recognized with the rest of the countries in Africa, but that's how he came to power. And that was very recent 2021. But the, the thing is, every time someone new comes into power, there's somewhat of a sense of optimism because Guinea, they have a ton of minerals, like aluminum specifically, but they have the resources to be a nice little economic hub of uh, West Africa. But with political unrest, it just never, it's never happened. So yeah, that's Guinea today. Yeah, seems like a very complicated situation I'm sure it wasn't nice, but becoming independent without a war, pretty, pretty ideal, I guess. Um, I'm sure it wasn't good, though. I'm sure, like, the French ravaged it and then left. Like, uh, I, I don't believe that they would have just, you know, been like, okay, have fun. Yeah, honestly, it kind of put Guinea on a path away from France. Like, the ties were cut there. Guinea aligned themselves with the Soviet Union afterwards. I think eventually... They shifted towards the West, but that also might have just been to deal with uh, the first president, Torre. Look, there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure you can look up yourself. Again, sports podcast. We're just going to pull that card here and say that's Guinea in a nutshell. So, David, on to, on to the sports then. Uh, yeah, on to the sports. This is what we're here for. Yes. So, kind of alluded to it, but info on sports in Guinea was hard to come by. I saw mentions of handball, cycling, wrestling, archery. They're all things that are prevalent in Guinea, supposedly, but I just could not find much beyond that, other than that they exist. So what we're going to do for this episode instead is we're just going to dig deeper into the big two of Guinea, and that is association football slash soccer and basketball. Now, football, that's the most popular in Guinea. I want to start off with basketball, though. Because that's kind of seen as the number two sport in a lot of countries. It's kind of become the number two sport in the world, just in terms of global reach, you know, because cricket is just so concentrated. Yeah, I, I think that's fair with 
cricket gets like the benefit of just being in really big countries, but it seems like everyone's playing basketball and there's a basketball star from almost every country, it seems, you know, or one that is like on the cusps of being, you know, worldwide sensation. Yeah, yeah. Because honestly, the only other sport you could say that with is probably football slash soccer. I mean, in a way, like tennis too, but that's individual. Just thinking of sports where you see a lot of flags, but basketball's becoming that way. So we've mentioned this league a few times now, but the NBA and FIBA, they have this joint venture called the Basketball Africa League. You can think of it as the Champions League of African basketball clubs. So it's been around since 2021. Countries send their best club team to a qualifying tournament. And then from there, 12 teams will actually play in the competition. So Guinea have had a club play in the Basketball Africa League uh, twice now. And that is Seydou Legacy Athletic Club. But they just go by SLAC or Slack. Most of the roster is from Guinea because you're limited on how many international players you can get. So honestly, it's just great for the growth of the sport in the country and for any country involved. But, you know, Guinea's our focus here. Yeah, I imagine that is a, a very fun competition to watch. The, uh, I guess, ball league, <laughs> the basketball yeah, yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, exposure is so much for sport. Getting it out, you know, being seen, you know, on the biggest stages is so good for, you know, development. Um, so just making it there is, is huge, I think. Yeah, and this has only been around for three seasons, so we haven't really seen the, the fruits. Yeah, the ripples. Yeah, yeah. the ripple effect. But hold on, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. There is a ripple that we've already seen. We'll get to that in a second. But Guinea's basketball pedigree, it extends beyond the club level. It goes on to the international level too. The men's national team, no World Cup appearances, but they're around 10th best in Africa as of right now. They've qualified for the last two AfroBasket tournaments, had their best finish at the most recent one in 2021, and they reached the quarterfinals there. Beat Egypt, who are pretty good in Africa, and then Rwanda, not that great of a team, but they were the hosts. So anytime you beat the hosts in a tournament, you eliminated them from the tournament. That feels good. Yeah, in, in their own dojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I f- yeah, because I feel like home field advantage is a thing, but like when you're in the country and mm-hmm. like everyone is rooting against you all around, you know, it's it's a big win. Yeah, and then you eliminate them. I don't know what the sportsmanship is like there, but you're probably getting a lot of booze. Yeah, so you're not yeah. a, you're yourself, you're not a powerhouse either. So uh I don't know, just good result and that's their furthest finish was into the quarterfinals. But they're in a good spot to build upon that finish. Because they have three guys right now playing Division I college hoops here in the United States. First of which, Mohamed Keita, who played for SLAC. So, you know, call back there. The Basketball Africa League already showing good signs. He was a freshman this past season at St. John's. We also got Tierno Sila, freshman at Central Florida last season. And then Musa Sise, he's going to be a senior this year at Ole Miss. Uh, was at Oklahoma State before this and was actually the defensive player of the year in the Big 12 Conference in 2022, which the Big 12, that is no joke to be defensive player of the year. Yeah, there are just a, a, a tough conference in general, you know, like all things considered. But, you know, you have what Kansas is in who the were Big 12. national champions that year. Yeah. Baylor, who's always very good at basketball. 
TCU who does well. I mean, it, it's it definitely not a slouch conference. Yeah. And then Texas and Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Obviously, we already yeah. said Oklahoma State. And then I think, was it Iowa State? Iowa and, State, K-State. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State. And then out of nowhere, West Virginia. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that conference is expanding uh, next year, but we're going to talk about that because Cisse's not in that. He's going to Ole Miss, who's SEC, so the Southeast Conference. Yeah, which is also becoming quite the basketball conference. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss wasn't very good last year, but hey, he's going to be a star now. <laughs> it's true. I should also mention all three of those players, they play as big men, like power forward or center. They're all seven feet tall. Yeah, normal height. <laughs> yeah, nothing, no big deal. <laughs> okay, I'll see myself out. <laughs> you know, why stop at college basketball, though? We've got two Guinea-born players to make it to the NBA. First up, Seku Dumbia. 2019 first round pick for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, but he moved to France as a kid, so that's who he represents internationally. So we won't spend too much time on him. But the other guy is Mamadi Diakite, currently 26 years old, bounced around a bit in his career. But David, he has racked up some major hardware. 2019 in college basketball, he played for Virginia. They won the national championship. Two years later, 2021, uh, he was with the Lakeland Magic in the G League. So that's NBA's like minor league. Uh, they had a shortened season due to the pandemic. But Lakeland, they won the G League championship in 2021. He was like an all-star for them. But that same year, he was on a two-way contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. And who wins the NBA championship that year? Milwaukee. And who's on their playoff roster? Diakite. Yeah, it seems like he's uh, almost like King King Midas, you know? Everything he touches turns to... In the story, I guess it's silver, but, you know, still, everything you touch turns to gold. Quite a resume. Right, like, I tried looking up how many people have won both an NCAA championship and an NBA championship. I think it's like 45, maybe? You got big names on there. There's like Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Bill Russell, but Mamadi Diakite... Yeah, I messed up. Apparently it is gold. I thought it was silver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that. I was like, mm, David. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, from from Dodgeball, and it's just White Goodman being a moron. Because I wouldn't <laughs> do that for a call of King Midas of silver. <laughs> oh, <gosh. clears throat> yeah, Diakite's got his name up there with some of <laughs> the all-time greats in basketball. And it's just some guy born in Guinea. Who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, not me. Honestly, um, especially with how tough it was for you to find, you know, sports stuff, you'd think that like that would be front and center, you know, in, in the sports information. But it sounds like that website was just not a good website. No, I mean, that website, the, the one that I ranted about, they did mention this guy, but they said that he played for the New Orleans Pelicans, which he never did. So a half truth, partial <laughs> truth, half right, half right, uh, half credit on the answer. Yeah, did your best. Should also mention Guinea's, uh, the women's national basketball team. Also, probably top 10 in Africa, like the men's team. Less info is available on their players, unfortunately. But hey, 1966, they were runners up in the women's Africa basketball championship. There's only four teams, but you finish second and you can never take away that silver medal. That's right. That's right. And someone doesn't get on the podium, you know? 
Yeah, so, someone is is metalist, uh, metalist. I guess they, you know, metalist and metalist. But yeah, not, not, you know, nothing wrong with silver, and silver's you know being a little more fortunate in some aspects. You can turn to gold real quick. Yeah, Mister Midas. There we go. That's, that's right. That's right. But yeah, that's all I had on basketball. Let's move into the big one, football, aka soccer, whatever you want to call it. It is the biggest sport in Guinea, and let's start Guinea's domestic league. Championnat National or League Un. Uh, I saw it go by both names. But it's a very familiar story that we've seen with previous country episodes. They've only had six different champions since 1965. Five of those six based in Conakry. And of course, the big three clubs of Guinea, all based in the capital city as well. We have A.S. Kaloum Star, 13 league titles. Hafia FC, they have 15 league titles. None of them have come since 1985. And then the current dominant team, Haroya AC. 20 league titles, all of them since 1986. And they have eight straight going into this season. That's in- crazy. That's, that's insane. Just, I don't know. I feel like I feel like when you're when you're lining them up like that, 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 I feel like that's one of those things we find out and it's been like a historical team that's been really good for that long. And I guess we have seen in these leagues where it's like one dominant team at a time kind of takes over. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it seems to at least have been spreading some here. You know, I mean, at least it's not just two teams. That that's nice. Yeah, three instead of three. Two. Moving up. No, but it seems we saw this with Austria too, where there's two historically dominant teams, and then a third team comes in and just kind of clears house, and that's what's happened with Haroya here. Like Hafia, no title since '85, and then Haroya have had all of theirs since '86. Yeah, it, it's kind of. Kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. Just, just passing the baton here. You can be dominant. But here's the cool story for you, David. The 2022 slash 23 season, it's almost done in Guinea. So when I started the research for this, they had two match days left. And Hafia, the team who had not won since 85, they're up one point in the table over Haroya, who have won eight straight. And of course, as fate would have it, who plays each other this past Saturday? It's Hafia versus Haroya. What do you think happened? Uh, I feel like the feel-good story is Hafia wins, but that's not how the world works. So I'm going to say Haroya won. <laughs> well, neither happened. It was a 1-1 tie. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean? It goes on to the final match day, which is it, it happens tomorrow. As, as we're recording this, so when we post this, the results would have been known. So we'll we'll post it in the show notes, let you guys know what happens to anyone who cares about the results of Guinea football. But hey, not not winning a title since 85. The fate is in their hands still. Yeah, you win the game, you got it, right? Yeah, you just got to match the result of Haroya. Just don't lose. I, yeah, I don't, don't lose. I don't know what the goal difference is like. So we're rooting for you, Hafia. See, part of the reason why you might want to root for Hafia or maybe you don't want to, is because they were the dominant team back in the day, not only in Guinea, but in all of Africa. They might have been the best club on the continent because they were champions of Africa in 1972 and 1975 and 1977. Three-time champs of Africa also finished runner-up in 76 and 78. And as you can imagine, provided a lot of players to the Guinea national team Sharif Suleimane, he was their star man. 
African Footballer of the Year in 1972, only player from Guinea to win that award. And just to top all this off, Guinea's best ever result as a nation, they were runners up at the Africa Cup of Nations in 1976. So Hafia and Guinea, golden age, 1970s. So what you're saying is if Hafia wins the league, potentially we're going to enter a new golden age of Guinea football. I mean, maybe that's the way that it was. Whoever the scriptwriters are, maybe that's what they're planning here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It just it just makes sense. But the thing is, is that African football to I mean, anyone outside of Africa, it's just really not well known. Like I'd never heard of this club, but hey, three time champs of Africa. You had I mean, quite a good team. It seems like a lot of them stayed to play in Africa because they were doing so well. Also, they made it to the Olympics as a soccer team in 1968. So it's a little bit before this, but at the time it was only amateurs allowed at the Olympics. So I'm assuming it was a lot of the same players. Maybe they were a bit younger. I don't know. It's just a wild time because I don't think of Guinea as that dominant of a team now, but apparently they were quite the team back then. Yeah, it, se- it seems to be so. I'm personally rooting for the, the resurgence, the, the new golden era. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. It seems like there's a lot of young players uh, from Guinea emerging right now. But before we get into that, David, after saying all this about the golden age, have Guinea qualified for a World Cup? I'm going to say no. And that would be correct, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty hard to qualify for World Cups in, you know, in Africa with the, the old format. And so yes. there are just other big teams, you know, that are just going to be in your way. Yeah, I don't know what the qualifying was like for Africa when Guinea was in their golden age. I'd imagine they had to come close, but it, like Nigeria and Cameroon, I feel like they were always the big ones. And then the North African nations as well. But talking about the Africa Cup of Nations, you know, Africa's continental championship. We mentioned their runner up appearance in the 70s. They've been to that tournament 13 times, so quite a lot. It happens every two years, so they missed out quite a few times as well. But they should be at the next one, which will be at the end of 2023 slash beginning of 2024. Definitely a top 20 team in Africa. Don't know if they have much of a shot at qualifying in the 2026 World Cup. I mean, I've got a few players to mention just because we have so much time and we're already running out of things to say about Guinea. But... Titi Kamara, he was a striker in the 90s and early 2000s, mainly played with some French clubs, but was with Liverpool for a little bit. Uh, Elias Mariba, he's only 20 years old, came through the Barcelona Youth Academy, so it was really hyped. It's kind of fizzled out a little bit, but again, just 20, so a lot of time for things to get on track. And he's currently with RB Leipzig in Germany. But the big name of Guinea football, the national team captain, Nabi Keita. He plays central mid. So did uh, Alex Mariba. He's also a center midfielder. But Keita played for Red Bull Salzburg, who we mentioned a lot. And then he moved to Leipzig and then spent five seasons with Liverpool. I never really reached the heights that was expected of him. Dealt with some injuries. But Premier League champion and Champions League winner with uh liverpool yeah yeah no uh definitely proves you know the 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 level of of footballer he is so he didn't you know look to his potential he still accomplished a lot right right 
and he's still 28, maybe 29. His contract with Liverpool just ended. He literally signed this week with a team in Germany, uh, Werder Bremen. Uh, he should be the star man on that team if he stays healthy, but that's a big if. Like It was one of the most random transfers I saw, and I was like, oh, wait, I'm mentioning this guy this week. Uh, should also mention one other player. You know Paul Pogba? I do, I do. Yeah, well, he is of Guinea heritage. His parents were from Guinea. He has two older brothers. They're twins, uh, Florentine and Matthias. They were born in Guinea and represented the Guinea national team. Uh, his family moved to France and Pogba was born there. So he won the World Cup with France and maybe in an alternate timeline, he represents Guinea instead and becomes their world-class footballer. Yeah, I, uh, we'll have to, I guess, just dream about it now. But yeah, that's crazy. He was a big deal on the, the, the French team. So, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Play for France. But man. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you could have changed f- football in Guinea. Like, yeah. And if you think just uh, injuries, like if Keita lived up to his hype, maybe it wouldn't have reached the same level as Pogba, but like still really, really good player. And you have both of them in midfield. All of a sudden, Guinea's looking like a World Cup qualifying team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be hard pressed to, I guess, bet against them just with that much talent in like such impactful roles. Mm-hmm. Just to fill in for people who aren't familiar with Paul Pogba, uh, played for Juventus and Manchester United for a while. I think when he moved from Juventus to Man United, uh, it was like one of the most expensive transfers in football history. And he's also known for like his off the field style, the flair and all that. Like He was one of those people that would appear in uh, tabloids and whatnot. That kind of player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but moving on, we're going to wrap up like we usually do with the Olympics. I usually let you guess the medal counts, David, but uh, Guinea have not won an Olympic medal and they have not come close either. It's just kind of surprising to me, like never made the final round of a track event or progressed far in like boxing or wrestling or any other combat sports. I guess it just puts things in perspective that the Olympics is difficult when you have the entire world competing against you. Yeah, I think winning medals is a huge accomplishment and it's, it shows with how many, you know, are still looking for their first one, you know, not to mention, you know, countries looking for their first gold, you know, it's, it's right. hard and it's always a big accomplishment when someone achieves that. Yeah. Bummer that Guinea hasn't found someone in an individual sport who's done something, but it seems like it's maybe only a matter of time. You know, I've, I feel like all those countries eventually are going to get one sooner rather than later. So I guess the question. Yeah. So I was curious, about 30% of countries in the world have never won an Olympic medal. So, you know, roughly a third, bit less. I think, I don't know, maybe lack of funding is part of it with Guinea. I know there's, when when the rest of the country, like there's other issues at hand that are bigger than sports. But I don't know, at some point, you'd think just someone was really good at sprinting or hurdling or marathon running and just happened to rise to the top. But I looked through every single result of a Guinea athletes and just nobody made it past like the second round in any of these events. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if you're taking just running, it's like getting to the final round. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's still eight or seven other people, you know, in those yeah. sprinting events, you know, so we got some work to do, I guess. Yeah. For context, though, Guinea have only been participating regularly since 1980. 
and they don't go to the winter games, unfortunately. Also, just to mention, there's nothing from the Paralympics. And uh, you look at the Africa games, you know, the continental level style Olympic stuff for Africa. They did win medals there. And this is what annoyed me. They won a gold in 1973, but I could not find any record of who this person was or even what sport it was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in all, it seems like the research was <laughs> kind of what held this episode short. But yeah, definitely like not participating in the Winter Games, which I understand. It's unfortunate to have those opportunities taken away. And then Paralympics, just because of all the categories, you'd think there'd be something. Nope. I couldn't even find that they really participated either. So that to me just says lack of funding to send athletes to these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the unrest and the coups happening, you know, re- semi-regularly, it seems like that could definitely be the issue. Yeah. But hey, if anyone listening is knowledgeable about sports in Guinea, please email us and we'd love to maybe post a follow-up just to inform people of anything, anything at all that we could also mention. But we'll put a bow on this one for now. Sports in Guinea. You got athletes in football and basketball that are competing at these high levels. You know, it's hard to break through in the team sports, but maybe, maybe they can break through in Africa. But the good thing is, I feel like that's only going to continue as more athletes from Guinea are put on these big stages and then more kids see them and like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. So a guy from Guinea winning an NBA championship, even if it wasn't a small role. Hey, it's a championship. But yeah, a lot of other issues at play here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that those little small taste of successes and, and that's what gets you there. You know, some plants a seed you know, in you know, someone's a little kid's mind and it's like, I'm going to be just like this person. I feel like that's like one of the most special things about sports. You know, you like the lineage of players who are like the players they look up to. You know, it's, it's always generally the same ones. And uh, there's something really special about that. that two kids on opposite sides of the planet or wearing, you know, the same player's jersey sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of why we do this. It's sporting around the world, the connections. It's really cool to see. Hey, that's Guinea. That's that episode. Hope you learned a lot. Yeah, I definitely did. Definitely well more, uh, more versed in uh, Guinea in general, but, you know, with the sports, I don't know. These episodes are always a huge learning opportunity for me personally, and I'm sure it is for everyone back home. Yeah. And hey, next week, we're covering a big one that we'll have no issues whatsoever finding info on. We're going to Europe, not the tip top cream of the crop countries in Europe, but it's up there. A lot of big accomplishments in sports. So we'll just leave it at that. There's a lot that we'll cover. Yeah, yeah. We're flipping the switch one extreme to another uh, in terms of, you know, available research. (laughs) Yeah. And week after that, David, where are we going? Yeah, uh, I guess we'll be staying in Europe for a, a very big event. I feel like if I say anything else, like that, that by itself might do it. I I don't want to. We'll get maybe we'll have some more hints for the you know the next one. But like, I'm afraid of giving it away two weeks early. You know, that's fair. I, <laughs> Got to keep the people guessing. You know, just for scheduling purposes, uh, we usually alternate between country episodes and spinoff episodes that cover like certain events in the world of sports. But due to the scheduling of this certain event, we had to change things up. So back to back countries and two weeks from now, you're going to get a a big event, as we said. Huge. Yeah, huge. Very huge. Huge and, and long. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
So that should be fun. But as always, thanks for listening. It really means the world to us, you know, seeing the listens tick up, seeing the numbers. Oh, happy 2000. Oh, yes, yes. And, and hey, we've got people from uh, like Poland recently. Ireland was one. Thailand. And we're hitting a lot of uh, countries out there. So it's cool to see. Yeah, that's right. So once again, the biggest thing you can do for us is to share the podcast with people that you think would enjoy it. But if you can't do that, give us a like, a follow, a subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on a lot of them, all the big ones. And just come back. We're here every week. We're doing something. We're talking about something. I think the next few ones are going to be good. I mean, we've got actually a stacked month. Or I guess if you split June and July, like that's a powerhouse of events. Mm-hmm. So uh, come along for the ride. It should be fun. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.